I'm Lynn Winter, and this is the Life in Motion podcast. I'm a lawyer, mom, and wife who has learned how to thrive in every aspect despite all the odds stacked against me. Each week, I'll bring you encouragement, practical tips and tricks, and a little dose of reality and show you how to live your best life in motion. Y'all, I am super excited for today's episode. I have got just an amazing mama and business owner with me. Her name is Ashley Olson, and she is with Heaven Sent Sleep, and she is a sleep consultant. Um, She works with moms and families and babies, but also can work with toddlers to help both you and your baby learn to get a wonderful night's sleep. I met Ashley at a local um, coffee shop here in town, so you'll have to excuse um, a little bit of life happening around us, but she's just got some amazing information and insights and tips and is going to be answering um, some questions and telling you what some of the myths are. So I'm so excited for you all to get to hear my chat with Ashley Olson, of Heaven Sent Sleep. Hey everybody, I'm super excited today because I'm here with Ashley Olson from Heaven Sent Sleep. She's somebody I wish that I had gone to when I first had Evelyn because maybe we would have had a better relationship with sleeping. Um, But nonetheless, um, she is here and she's going to give us some kind of common myths about sleep training, really kind of tell us what it is, um, and hopefully give you all some good tidbits um, to help you in your own um, situations with your own kiddos. So I'm going to let Ashley kind of introduce herself. Hi, thanks for having me. Um, My first kid did not sleep whatsoever. He humbled me. Um, I went into pregnancy and motherhood and all those things, reading all these books about childbirth and breastfeeding and baby led weaning, and then never picked up a book on sleep for whatever reason. I thought, oh, they just... That's the easy part, right? They just sleep. (laughs) They just sleep when they're tired. I love sleep. Why would my baby not love sleep? Um, But he didn't, and I was in a really, really not so great place um, at about four months postpartum with him. Um, and so my husband was like, okay, this is not how we're going to live our life. Like, it's, this is not working. He's exhausted. You are exhausted. Um, and so he bought like an ebook online and he was like, I'm doing this. You're going to bed. Um, I'll, you know, I'll let you know whenever he's hungry. And he, he took off with training the first couple of nights and then he was like, okay, I think I'm ready to bring you back into the process. <laughs> it's like, I'm um, tired now. Yes. Yeah. And so you know, if he hadn't stepped up to the plate and done that, like, I really don't know. We would be in a very different place right now, I think. But um, after that experience, I decided I cannot do that again, especially if, you know, having an older child and then having a baby. So I read all the books. I read so many books about sleep. I feel like I almost knew too much. Um, and it kind of threw me on the opposite end of the spectrum where I was stressed um, with getting certain, you know, getting naps in and not feeling like I was trapped in the house. And so there was just a big, a big change between the two kids. But um, I did become more passionate about helping other families um, kind of climb out of that sleep-deprived hole um, that we were in with our first kid. And so Heaven Sent Sleep was born whenever my second child was about six months old. Um, 
And yeah, this month is my second business birthday, so I'm excited to keep working with families and um, just help them improve sleep, you know, and talk about what's real and what's realistic with sleep, especially with that first year oh, um, yeah. with kids. I feel like there you hear so many things um, like as a new mom. Um, and it's funny because I was at a birthday dinner over the weekend um, with some of my husband's friends and one of the wives came in and she has a 12 week old and so some of the other moms we were like, oh, how's it going? And, she, and she's that mom. She's like, oh, she's sleeping fine through the night, like nine hours. And I kid you not, I wanted to punch her in the face. <laughs> that sounds awful, but you're just like, oh. And you're secretly going, I hope that changes soon. Right. But um, it's so funny because it is so different from kid to kid. Um, and you do hear all those babies that just do magically sleep through the night. And then there are those of us whose child does not sleep. And that's where I was with Evelyn when she was born. And so, I mean, I read every single book but we just could never really get it until eventually when she got older we kind of got a routine um, so I'm interested in kind of hearing from you like what are the common myths or the or things that you hear from moms when you sit down that are kind of maybe hesitant towards sleep training or don't really understand what it is yeah so a lot of times if you hear the word sleep training um, people are going to think that it means that your baby's going to cry for hours, um, that you're never going to be able to hold them or feed them or anything, like you're going to just shut the door at 7 p.m. and then you open the door back up at 7 a.m. And that's just a very limited view of what helping your child learn or even just develop those sleeping skills um, because they know how to sleep. Like nobody was telling them to sleep when you were pregnant with them. Like they, <laughs> they were sleeping off and on. So they have that ability. It's just letting it develop outside of the womb. Um, and so for me, whenever I work with families, sleep training is a process and there are a lot of things that we need to have in place outside of just the method that you're going to use. So whether you're using a cry it out method or a Ferber method or something more responsive, um, there are still things that you need to do outside of just implementing that method. Um, and you're not limited to those options. Like I thought my options with my son were to either nurse and co-sleep all night long, um, which he <laughs> screamed at me when we did that, um, or it was just to put him in his crib and walk away and let him figure it out. And to me, there's a middle ground. There's something in between that we can still do to, to help them be supportive and responsive um, and just really let them be successful at developing that skill. It's just like any other milestone um, that they're working on. So I think that's the biggest one is one, you don't have to cry it out. It doesn't have to be hours of torture um, and you can still feed your baby as often as they need you to um, throughout the night. Yeah, I think that was something I wish I had known because it was like we would say, okay, we're going to do this method and my husband loved him. The engineer was like, okay, we're doing it by the rules. And it just it just I wouldn't work or you know we would get so frustrated we would stop and you know so I think it's good to hear that you don't have to be so strict with something and you can kind of marry different things and find really something that works 
for you and your family, but also for your baby. Yes. Um, because, you know, some babies are going to respond differently to oh, yeah. a try-it-out method. You know, yeah. they may need that space, and once you kind of give them the opportunity, there are very little tears. Or there are kids who need more help. And so having kind of that outside perspective of let's try some things, like I'm willing to experiment with some things and see what works best for your family dynamic. You know, really customize things that a book can't necessarily do. Yeah. So when you meet with families, what and um, kind of what's your method? How do you go about figuring out what works for a family? So my big thing um, is I want to know what your goals are, what your expectations are, um, what your knowledge base is regarding infant sleep. Um, but then I'm also going to look at age of your child. Obviously, um, more hands-on methods are going to be really stimulating for, say, an 18-month-old, whereas at three or four months, you know, it would work better. Um, but I also want to know, like, uh, what is the what is their timing like for bedtime? Um, how are they sleeping throughout the day? All those things are going to help me know where we need to put our energy and our focus first, um, even before we really even choose a method. But most of my methods are going to center around your comfort level, um, your parenting style, and what you're hoping to achieve with the process you know some parents are like I just want to be able to put them down at mm -hmm. bedtime and have a couple of hours with an older child or my partner or myself <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. and then you know whatever happens after that I don't even care you know some parents really set that bar low and yeah. we're able to achieve much more than that <laughs> um, but but yeah I really it's really family-centered um, and based on just family dynamics and kids' personality too. You would be surprised that whenever moms say my kid is really high needs or super sensitive, um, they don't do well with um, maybe like a ton of intervention mm -hmm. um, just because they're so easily overstimulated by your help or your presence. And so we have to, you know, look at other ways of maybe fading our presence or... Um, maybe weaning out certain sleep props and just really taking baby steps so it's really different for each family <laughs> yeah no I I imagine it would be um so when what do you if you and your ideal world when would a family come to you to seek out your help because I'm sure that it's usually in my probably after we've tried everything and it's not working or you know they think well our baby's too now that's where it's too late for us so when is do you think is like the best time to try to start developing like a sleep pattern or, or sleep intervention um I prefer the younger the better <laughs> um because as we know the longer that a habit is in place the harder it is to break um, but the good thing is that all babies are flexible and adaptable and take to changes in their routines pretty easily. I mean, the longest I typically work with families is two weeks. And oh, wow. really that first week is um, kind of setting a foundation, establishing routines, making sure our timing is working out really well. And then that second week is just kind of fine-tuning small detail kind of thing. So really we can make a lot of progress in that one to two week um, time frame. Yeah, that's 
that's interesting. So say, like, I mean, say you don't. You go through, you have a baby, and now you're, like, at the twos, and you're still not sleeping. Or you've got that child who just literally cannot go to sleep without you in the room touching them. Like, is there hope? Can you still do stuff for them? Or it's, like, lost cause too late? No, totally. And, and really, that age, even the older that they get, there's a lot more that you can reason with. Um, there's a lot that you can do to prep them for that process. Um, there's tangible things that we can do with charts and, um, you know, letting them take ownership of their routine and their sleep. And um, you can do those things without having to put a lock on your child's door to keep them from <laughs> coming, coming out. out. Yes. yes, you can definitely support them. Um, but again, it's a, you know, at that point, it's been a two-year habit. It's not going to be an overnight change. So that's another thing that we have to talk about is realistically, what is the timeline going to be for a toddler? And I don't work with any toddler for less than two weeks. Okay, just because I'm sure it takes longer because they do have those yes. routines and habits like... And there's going to be pushback anytime you try to change their preferences or... Yes. Oh, those <laughs> lovely toddler ages, yes. right? I know. So fun. I know. So what are some other, like, myths that you hear from parents when you start working from them? They go, oh, I thought that this. And you're like, oh, wait, no, 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 that's completely different. You know, I actually have a lot of moms who think that they have to give up breastfeeding um, in order to improve sleep. And, you know... And that's the thing people, that moms that are breastfeeding who aren't ready to give that up feel like they can't improve sleep until they are ready to wean. And that's not true at all. I mean, I, I mean, anecdotally, I've breastfed all three of my kids. Um, I'm coming up on, I think, three years total of breastfeeding maybe. And I did not have to quit to get good sleep with any of my kids. Um, and really research shows that breastfeeding moms actually get more sleep than formula feeding moms. Oh, wow. Surprisingly. Um, no, it, being a formula feeding mom, I can probably... Yes. Because fixing the bottles in the yes. middle of it takes more time. Yes, than, yeah. exactly. So, um, so you definitely do not have to change how you are feeding your baby, whether it is introducing solids or adding cereal to bottles or going from breastfeeding to formula feeding or feeling like you have to give a formula bottle before bed. None of those things are going to um, be a deal breaker whenever you're ready to um, improve sleep. Unless, of course, disclaimer, there's a medical issue or they're actually not getting enough food. So, right. you know, healthy kid on the growth chart, we're good to go. Makes sense. Okay, so here's the other one. So daylight savings time is yes. coming up. Um, and I know people just lose. And it's like get totally off their schedule and so they're trying to figure out how the best way to transition their child to make sure they stay on whatever their sleep schedule is so what advice do you give for that especially me who has a five-year-old <laughs> you know this one is not the the bad one the one in the fall people are usually stressing about more because yeah. they're when they're not waking up earlier than they used to yeah. um honestly my secret is that we don't do anything okay um because whenever we talk about like jet lag and things like that you should expect one day per one hour of change and so it's not something that should totally wreck your sleep for weeks i mean it might be a rough day or two because their stomachs are used to eating at a certain time and now mm -hmm. that time is different um but really i find that if you just 
go on with the day. Um, if you have a younger baby, you can probably expect shorter naps um, because they're still going to want to go to bed around their same time. time. And so later naps equal later bedtime and they don't typically fall into that pattern. Um, you can also adapt sort of a winter and a summer schedule. So you could have a later um, wake up and later bedtime in the summer and then shift everything kind of earlier in the winter um, when the days are shorter. Yeah. Um, so that works as well. If anything, you can kind of split the difference between the days. So, you know, if they're used to waking up at seven o'clock and then they wake up at 8 a.m. on the new time, right. which is their old seven, um, then the next day you get them up 30 minutes earlier and then another, and yeah, you just kind of make that it. adjustment. So, you know, if they're cranky, my my go-to is always feed them or put them to sleep. <laughs> yeah. I, I have noticed that with my own child. I'm like, she, I, when she gets to her point, she's, she's tired and she mm -hmm. bites it, but man, that head hits the pillow and I mean, we still do naps. Um, yes. We, at, I mean, at almost five because she still, I think she still needs it. Yep. So here's the other thing I've always heard is that a lot of people, they'll keep their, I'm like out and I'll see kids that are like out with their parents at like nine, ten o'clock at night and I'm like, one, my child would be having a complete meltdown. Yes. Like, oh, but they're just so used to it, and then they sleep so late. Like, Evelyn, for instance, one, if I had her out that late, she'd be a complete crap show. Yes. <laughs> but I've heard that, like, people say, oh, well, I'll just keep them up later, and then they'll sleep. Is it really true that it's, you should put them to bed earlier if you want to get them? Or how does that work? Because, like, Evelyn makes up, but, I mean, it doesn't matter what time she goes to bed, 6 a.m., she's up. Like, I wish she'd sleep later. Yes. But it doesn't matter. So is there some magic to, like, <laughs> figuring that out, or is that just kind of child by child? So, funny story, I joked because my, um, we had a surprise, my husband did a surprise party for me, and so my son stayed up way past his bedtime, and he slept 15 minutes later than his usual, you yeah. know? Mm -hmm. um, and so, it was, I'm sure, lovely the whole yes, day. Yeah. So uh -huh. lovely. So kids have a circadian rhythm, and they're wired to get their best, most restorative sleep between the hours of 6 to 8 a.m. to, or, well, 6 to 8 p.m. to 6 to 8 a.m. So all of the, the good things that happen for their bodies um, happen sort of pre-2 a.m.-ish, whenever their sleep is most deep and consolidated. Um, so the later they go to bed, the less efficiently their body does those things. Because they're not in that best sleep part right. for very long. Okay. Right. So typically, whenever I have kids that are current, like on a later schedule, and we start working on these habits, um, they end up shifting. They have to shift their schedule forward because their kid is not getting the same quality of sleep that they would have. Okay. Um, so, and then I think long term, also, I think big picture, you know, if your kid is going to bed at 10 and waking up at 10, that doesn't work when they're in school, you know? Um, and I would rather change that now versus when that's been a five-year habit and yeah. we're having to get them ready for kindergarten or they're going to bed at 10 and now suddenly having to wake up at 6 yeah. and they're a nightmare at school. Yeah. So that's kind of how I approach that. Interesting. So what, at what age, maybe you don't know, do they like, you know, I remember being younger and I could sleep till noon. Mm -hmm. Like when does that start? Because I would love for my Evelyn to sleep till like, I don't know, at least 8 a.m. on a weekend. Wouldn't it be great? But, or is it just each kid is kind of different? I mean, she does go to bed, you know, we're in bed by 8. So 
But she does. She pops up at like 6 a.m. and she's like, I'm ready to go. Yeah. And it's probably because she's napping too. So they only need a total, you know, of at five, maybe 11, 12 hours of sleep. Mm. So if she's getting a little bit of day sleep, she doesn't need that much night sleep. And 10 hours is a good solid night of sleep at that age. So, um, you know, when she drops her nap, you might see that go from 8 p.m. to 7 a.m. Or you may move it from 7 to 7 and she gets a 12-hour night. Yeah potentially um something to experiment with. yeah but i would say their their circadian rhythm shifts kind of around that puberty mm-hmm. mark so mm-hmm. that's when you see like why high schoolers or why there's a push to start schools later because they're the high like as they get into that those teenage years that whole thing shifts but um i don't know all the science on that one interesting yeah I can see her because, like, during the week, she they have a rest time, and I think she's one of the few that still actually falls asleep during that rest time. And I mean, even on the weekend, like, if she goes, she needs that nap time. So I guess, yeah, it would make a difference that she's getting that sleep there, so she doesn't need as long during the evening. So I guess I will count my blessings that my almost five-year-old still naps. Yeah, <laughs> mine does too. Yeah. There will be days that he will ask to do quiet time, and then I'll look at the monitor, and ten minutes later, he's in bed asleep with all of his lights on, and I'm like. Okay, yeah. well, I guess you needed it. And yeah, then... or Evelyn will like, she's like, well, let's just curl up and watch a movie, and she's out. And yeah. she just will lay still, mm-hmm. so I guess I will cherish those times. Um, but it is nice, because we can push it where she doesn't need it if we have to. Exactly. So it did, it was nice to have a little bit more of that flexibility when they don't do as the, like, have to be home because we have to nap yes. type Or thing. if they miss their two-hour midday nap, oh, then come dinner time, it's yeah. just, yeah. Little Tasmanian devils running around. I know, I know, I know. Okay, so if you could give, like, your best advice to moms as to, like, developing good sleep habits, what what would it be? Routines around sleep are so important because our kids are not motivated sleepers. Like, they're going to choose literally anything else that is not sleep um, because it's more fun. And so having those routines um, before naps, before bedtime, it tells them, it primes their body, it's conditioning them, it's telling them that sleep is coming, and when they know that sleep is coming, they're going to accept it more. So it's like, you know, a cool down after a workout. Like, you wouldn't just go from the gym to work. Like, you have that cool down period to prep your body for that transition. So having those routines in place, and you can't start those too early. I mean, it's, I think it's easy, almost easier for us to transition into having a new baby um, whenever we kind of have a general flow to our day. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, whenever it's bedtime and you do, you know, three or five things, the same things every night, um, it doesn't have to be elaborate or drawn out. It's just simple tasks that say, hey, you know, it's sleep time. Um, Those habits that you build are going to pay off in the long run. Um, And I think even adults need those... um, those routines or those rituals at the end of the day to prime our own selves for sleep um, because we're just kind of constantly going and then it's hard to make that switch and fall asleep as easily. So, you know, we're seeing all those increased cases of insomnia and things for adults because we just never... We don't stop. We don't stop. Or yeah. we're scrolling our phones at bedtime. It's my thing with my husband. I'm like, put it away. You're, yes. You need to stop looking yes. at it before bed. It's like the worst thing. Um, I'm like, read. 
have yes. some tea and read. Yes. <laughs> but um, the other thing is probably don't keep a young child awake all day thinking that mm. they're going to sleep well at night. Um, I see that a lot with babies and they're like, you know, they've not been sleeping well at night. So we're just going to keep them up all day um, and then they'll sleep better. And you just get into an overtired cycle because they're going to catch the second winds, which are from cortisol, which is a stress hormone. It gives you, wires you. Um, it does not settle you for sleep, <laughs> and it's going to combat any sleep hormones that we're getting, um, that our body is producing. So sleep does honestly beget sleep, um, just because our hormones are in better balance at that point. That's awesome. Well, thank you, Ashley. It's been, like, this has been life-changing for me, and Evelyn sleeps pretty well. So, but if people want to find you, where, how can they find you? Where, where are you on social media or all of those fun things? I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. Um, you can always message me there, um, or you can find me online um, at heavensentsleep.com or send me an email, ashley at heavensentsleep.com. Um, I'm fairly responsive to everything on social media have free question days um every week on friday and that's my favorite um because even like i said even though evelyn sleeps really well i always learn something new and even if it's not for me it's for myself yes (laughs) moms need sleep too um so yeah you can always hop on there and binge read um on your friday night you know us moms have wild crazy friday nights yeah we do (laughs) um so yeah you can binge read those watch all the highlights that i have saved in my instagram there's tons of info there um, that you know, you never know. It could just be that missing puzzle piece that you need to really get your sleep to the next level. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for joining me this week on the Life in Motion podcast. Make sure to visit the blog at www dot motherhoodinmotion.com where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes or via RLS so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, I'd love it if you would give me a little rating on iTunes or simply tell a friend about the show because that'll help me out too. Um, I hope to see you next week.